In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes so that we might be known by Him and that we might know Him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Nathaniel was under the fig tree. And what he was doing under the fig tree, we don't know. Jesus knows what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree, but we don't really know. Jesus doesn't let us in on that. All we know is that Nathaniel was kind of surprised that Jesus knew what he was doing under the fig tree. And there have been lots of things postulated about what Nathaniel is doing underneath the fig tree. Some people think that what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree was that he was just relaxing, that he was taking a nap, that he was just sitting underneath this tree that had some big leaves on it and that he was hanging out. And Jesus knew somehow that he was underneath that fig tree. Other people think that the fig tree, being sort of a national symbol in Israel at the time was a place that a lot of people went to go and pray. That some people thought that there was a good reason to go and pray underneath a fig tree, and, and specifically to pray for the coming of a Messiah. And so some people think, okay, what Nathaniel is doing under the fig tree is that he's praying for a coming Messiah, somebody who's going to save the world. And that by Jesus saying, hey, I saw you praying underneath the fig tree, kind of lets Nathaniel know, oh, well, I, I was praying for the Messiah, and now my buddy Philip is saying that this guy is the Messiah, so, well, maybe he's the Messiah. Other people think that, well, maybe Nathaniel was doing something that he shouldn't have been. You know, maybe Nathaniel decided that he was going to go to the fig tree in order to sneak a cigarette, have a beer, do whatever was sort of socially unacceptable in Jerusalem and Galilee at the time. But whatever he's doing, we know that Jesus took note. Jesus knows Nathaniel. Which is interesting because, well, we don't really know Nathaniel. Who is this Nathaniel guy? Anyway, we don't really know. He only shows up one other time in John's Gospel in John 21, many, many, many chapters later. And so there's even theories about that. There are theories about, well, is Nathaniel just sort of this guy who hung around with the 12 disciples? Was he sort of this B-list character who John uses in order to open up his gospel? And then we don't see him again until kind of towards the end of the gospel. And some people wonder, well, is Nathaniel actually Bartholomew? Because Bartholomew itself is actually sort of like a last name in Israel at the time. And so it could be that Bartholomew's real kind of first name is Nathaniel, but everybody calls him by his last name. I knew people like that in high school, where you had no idea what their name was. You just called them by their last name. 
And so maybe that's what's going on with Nathaniel. Some people even think that Nathaniel is just kind of a placeholder, that, that he is um, uh, sort of just this random guy who Philip knows and is used for this part of the story in order to establish something about who Jesus is, that Jesus knows things about you. Well, whoever Nathaniel is and whatever Nathaniel was doing, well, it doesn't matter as much. It doesn't matter as much as who Jesus is. It doesn't matter as much as what we know about Jesus. And what does Nathaniel know about Jesus? Well, Nathaniel, the only thing that Nathaniel knows about Jesus is that Philip has just come up to him and that Philip has said, hey, we found the guy that we've been looking for. Not the guy whose face is on the post office in Galilee, but the guy who has been spoken of by Moses. The guy who we've been waiting to come and to fulfill this prophecy of the Messiah. The guy who is going to be the one who fixes all of these problems that we have. The guy who's going to be the one who takes our servitude to Rome and gets rid of that and makes us free again. The guy who is going to come and he's going to give us peace. The guy who is going to make us a nation again. Well, Nathaniel hears that and he hears then where this Messiah is from. He's from Nazareth. He's Joseph's son. And Nathaniel's immediate response to that is, can anything good come from there? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Just sort of a dig against Nazareth. I mean, fill in your own least favorite city. Can anything good come from Miami? Can anything good come from Gainesville? I, I, yeah, I know, I'm going to get some discussion about that later. Can anything good come from Orlando? Can anything good come from New York? Can anything good come from Las Vegas? Can anything good come from L.A.? Can anything good come from any place other than right here in Tallahassee, where everything good comes from, Right? But you see, what Nathaniel is doing is Nathaniel is saying, hey, I know something about the world, and I know something about Nazareth, and I know that nothing good comes from that place. And maybe for you it's not a city. Maybe for you it's something else that, that you just don't expect anything good to come from there. Can anything good come from a Republican? Can anything good come from a Democrat? Can anything good come from a person who identifies as homosexual, can anything good come from somebody who is a Gator fan? Can anything good come from a Lutheran? Can anything good come from a Roman Catholic? Can anything good come from a Baptist? Can anything good come from any place that we're not expecting it? Is really the question. Because Jesus is an unexpected figure in Nathaniel's life. 
Jesus is this guy who seems to come in out of the blue. And we wonder, is there anything good about this guy? Or is this just another false messiah? Is this just another false good news? Is this just something that somebody has said, well, this is good, but you know deep down inside that it's not? Well, so often, I think, for so many people outside of the church, that's the real question. Can anything good come from Christianity? Can anything good come from the church? Can anything good come from my friend who I know who is a Christian? Or is that just all going to be stuff that I recognize as bad? You see, in some ways, this question of knowledge is a question of what we know about how the world works, what we know about who is around, and we know even ourselves that so often we're not good pictures of what it means to be a Christian. That we're not good pictures of what it means to be somebody who follows God. We're not even good pictures of what it means to be just kind of generally decent people. And God knows that about us. And God still loves us. God knows that we come from our own specific Nazareth. Whatever that might be, whatever it is inside of you that that says, well, I, I wish people wouldn't know that that's where I'm coming from. That's your, your Nazareth. God knows that about you. Whatever that secret sin is that you've been hiding away, well, that's your Nazareth. It's something that you hope that people don't know about you and you're afraid people might judge you for. But God knows. God knows you real well. God knows even the thing that you are most concerned about. That the things that you've done, that you know are true, the things that you're afraid of and you're not even sure if those are good or bad things. The things that you're afraid that you might do. And Jesus has come for all of that. Because He knows all of those things about you. Because that's who Jesus is. He's the one who knows you. He's not the one who is knowing you in order to get to know you and then to judge you and then to tell all of his friends about you. Jesus isn't doing that. Jesus isn't like going back to God the Father and the Holy Spirit and saying, you know what, guys, we have all of these sinners, but this one, you've got to hear what this one did. That's not who Jesus is. That's not who God is. God is the one who knows us to know us because he loves us and because he wants to know even our frailties, even our sins, even our ways in which we fail so that he can know us completely because knowing us completely gives him the opportunity to love us completely. 
Because you can't love somebody completely without knowing them completely. That's why it is impossible for us to completely love another human being on this earth. Because we cannot know them completely. As close as I am to Liz and to these kids, I can't know them completely. Which means I can't love them completely. Which means that my love for them is always going to be growing. Because I'm always going to be learning more about them. I'm always going to be knowing more about them. And the crazy thing is that our God knows us completely. That it's not a growing thing for him anymore. He just says, I know you. I know you like I knew Nathaniel. I know you like I knew Peter. I know you like I knew Philip. I know you like I knew all of those people. And I love you. I know you completely and I love you completely. And I've brought you into my eternity so that we can be complete together there. So what does that mean for us as his church, as his body? It means that we, as his body, as the firstborn of the people who are coming out of the line of Jesus Christ, that who we are are people who go out into our world and know people. That we get to know other people, even get to know their sins. Even get to know the ways that they tend to mess up and fail and make us angry. And we get to know those things so that we can look at them and we can forgive them and we can say, I know this about you, but I love you anyway. Because that's what Jesus did for me. And so this week, may you know that you are known. And in being known, may you know that you are loved. And may that drive you to get to know somebody else a little bit better. So that you can love them a little bit more. Amen.